Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. Today, we're going to preview Atlanta United's MLS game on Saturday at Toronto at beautiful BMO Field. During this podcast, you are going to hear not only from me, unfortunately, but you'll also hear from Atlanta United players Amar Sadich, Mateus Uzetu, Quentin Westberg, Gonzalo Pineda, and then we're going to have Grady Jarrett, who... For reasons I'm still not quite clear on, was at Atlanta United's training facility on Tuesday, but gave some entertaining and insightful answers to some questions about his knowledge of the sport and interest in the sport. And then I'm also going to answer the questions that you've sent in about the MLS team. And we've got a variety of topics to cover from Gonzalo Pineda's criticism of the officiating in last week's game to Franco Abara's red card to a tweet from Franco Abara to me. Uh, amongst a whole lot of things. So I hope that you'll rate us, review us, and, you know, always feel free to send in questions via my email at droberson at ajc.com. You can DM me on Twitter. The handle is at Doug Robertson AJC. Or you can call into our voicemail line where Daniel is begging you to call because he was arrested by Interpol last week for using illegal yarn when crocheting the shirts and the Doug coffee bags. So now all he has time to do is to answer these questions at 770-810-5297. And if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. So on Tuesday, we got to speak with Amar Sadich and Mateus Uzetu, as well as Grady Jarrett. And the news had come out earlier in the day that Brad Guzan had suffered a torn MCL after a tackle in the NYCFC game at Yankee Stadium a couple of days before. So here's Sadich talking about how tough it is to lose Guzan. Huge. I mean, uh, the mood was definitely kind of sad seeing him in a little brace today. So, um, I mean, everybody feels for him, especially, you know, coming back from that Achilles injury and then to have for us to be playing in the form we were in and then for to, to lose our main leader, it's it's definitely uh, it's sad, but uh, we all know Brad, he's a warrior and uh, he's kind of that guy who's going who's gonna to stay positive and, and, and make sure that, you know, we're still uh, getting things done on and off the field as a team and, uh, and yeah, it's the next man up mentality. And of course, the team had to play without Guzan last year when he suffered a ruptured Achilles, coincidentally also in the seventh game of the season which is what happened last week, the seventh game of the season. So I asked Sadich if they learned anything from losing Brad last year. 
Yeah, it's just it's just that next man up mentality. I think that's just kind of the way to approach it. Um, it's the sport we're in, and injuries happen all the time, so you kind of have to accept it and yeah, kind of learn from it. And then if it happens to you, you come back stronger. The man who will replace Guzan on Saturday is Quentin Westberg, an MLS veteran. Uh, he spent four years with Toronto after coming over from France. And here's Sadich talking about how Westberg can help the team. A lot of experience. Uh, Q has a lot of games under his belt with Toronto, had a successful spell there at the club. Um, great with his feet, great shot stopper, uh, great mentality. Um, I, I think as a keeper, you have to have a certain different mentality uh, to even play that position. So you can say that they're all a little bit crazy in their own, in their own way, but uh, no, Q, Q's definitely, he's ready, Diop's ready. Um, this, this is an opportunity for them to kind of help the team and, and just as it is for any player coming in off the bench or coming into the starting lineup from the bench or even an academy player, it's another opportunity to help the team and that's the way we kind of have to look at it. And I was curious to know from Sadich's point of view, for two consecutive weeks now, Pineda has come out and been critical of some of the decisions made by the in-game officials. And I wanted to know from Sadich if that meant something to the players that Pineda kind of has their back at least in the press conferences after the games. I think that's very important. I appreciate that the coach is kind of looking after us in, in, in that sense because, yeah, maybe sometimes we do. Uh, it's not fair, you know, 50-50 in, in a game. So um, sometimes we feel that, but um, at the end of the day, it just, it's just a part of the game, and we have to kind of accept it. And if we have that target on our back, it's okay. Uh, we play through, and, and uh, yeah, we win the game with football. Mateus Rosetti was up next, and I asked him about Losing Guzan's leadership. I think it's a difficult question because Brad is such an important player for us. He's our captain. He's he's the leader. Um, he's the one who puts the the energy, the the motivation into the squad. Um, so we know it's going to be a big loss. But we have other two other goalkeepers who are who are very capable, and Clement and, and Quinton. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll miss him of course, but um, we have those two as well. Now we're going to switch to the other football, where Grady Jarrett was a a special guest at the facility in Marietta. Jarrett, of course, is a uh, Pro Bowl player for the Falcons, a defensive tackle, strong guy, a former Clemson player, uh, who is uh, starting to gain an appreciation for what the world calls football. So here he's explaining what he was doing there on Tuesday. I'm just hanging out, you know, came to see the uh, training facility at Atlanta United. Um, and uh, been super, super impressed and got to meet a couple guys and talk to some of the younger teams and, you know, just um, finding a good way to spend my, spend my Tuesday morning, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but it's been awesome. It's been awesome. And I definitely appreciate them uh, receiving me and showing me around. So it's been great. And why he wanted to visit. Yeah, I'm sure there's like uh, mutual interest, but definitely wanted to just reach out and just, you know, just see what they got had going on, how the facility, how the facility was and the day to day activities. And um, but it was also nice to, um, you know, have a guys excited to meet me as well. So, um, you know, you know, all the all Atlanta, Atlanta sports is trying to stick together, you know. And what he learned. Uh, learned how they, uh, you know, the most interesting thing I learned were the the ranks working all the way up to the to the first team and um, just how some. Uh, I don't know what particular player it was, but he told me about how 
player started like the like the twelve unders and made it all the way to the team one and just I like how they um, have the whole program you know from start to finish all the way up to the pros and because uh, you know it's different like that in football you know we got the Atlanta Falcons twelve unders I mean sure it's an Atlanta Falcons team out there but they, <laughs> you know what I'm saying so so um, so it's def- this is good for me to learn another another sport another culture man and just uh, how they how they run business and how the guys um, just the the grind and the years it take to be able to be on the big stage, you know? So just just gain another appreciation for, for what it takes to be a pro. I was curious if there was a certain position on the field he would like to play. I was hoping he would say defensive midfielder because he could just clean out some people if they were coming across. But he gave an expected answer. I, I like the guys that go score the ball. <laughs> no, but i tell you, my, my favorite um, player for Atlanta United since I – been watching and this is because I watched him from outside there. I always loved the goalie because he just hurt himself um, recently. But I got to meet him today, and I was super, super excited to meet him because I always, whenever I go to a game, I always like his presence, the presence about him. You know, he just, he just seemed like, you know, just like the captain man, just like, uh, just seemed like some a guy everybody respect. And when I met him in person today, I definitely uh, know um, why he's such highly respected and being being a pro for so long and then so because I want to have longevity in, in, in football you know so I always got such such respect for guys who do it for a long time and just super pros about the game so I was super super excited to meet him today. And then I was also curious if Jarrett has a club that he roots for outside of Atlanta United? Necessarily you know definitely Atlanta United being Atlanta um, being an Atlanta native man so I mean I, uh, I watch as a casual fan you know I'm not ashamed to admit but at the same time that's why I want to come do experiences like this so I can gain more knowledge and um, be able to learn more about um, whether it's individual players or the team or the league and I'm and I was uh, able to ask a lot of questions uh, have a lot of questions that I had answered you know this morning and um, that definitely has sparked my interest more in in the game since I've been here so I'm excited to continue to learn and grow as a fan and this I thought was pretty interesting there's a lot of professional athletes who own or co-own or part of an ownership groups of soccer clubs LeBron James owns a part of Liverpool for example so I asked Jarrett, if he's interested in becoming part of an ownership group, and he didn't say no. You know what I mean? Uh, you definitely don't want to, you know, close close your door. But before you enter enter into something, you want to get your knowledge up, you know, and uh, experience some things firsthand. And uh, so that's kind of what I'm doing, just getting my knowledge up and and um, and just uh, like I say, gain a greater appreciation for the game. And then with, it, with Atlanta United being such a great team in, in the MLS, uh, I mean, I live 10, 10, 15 minutes from here, so I, I mean, I. I, I to have this opportunity to come see, you know, a world-class organization, you know, just do what they do at a high level. I can pass that up. Now on Thursday, we got to speak with Westberg and Pineda ahead of Saturday's match. And just to give you a couple of details on the match really quick, Atlanta United, of course, is 4-1-2. and two. Toronto is 1-1-5. One, one and five. They could get Lorenzo Insigne back this Saturday, which would be a huge boost to an offense that really hasn't done a lot. Eight goals for, seven against with expected goals of 7.5 to 7.4 compared to Atlanta United's 14 and 10 goals for and against. Um, the teams, of course, have already played once a season. It was a 1-1 draw. Mateus Uzetu scored the goal. But anyway, we wanted to know from Westberg how he can help this team win. Being myself, bringing uh, what I was brought in here to do, I just bring... 18, 19 years of experience, mm-hmm. different clubs, you know, it's, it's all about adaptability also. It's uh, understanding your environment, being the best version of yourself, and melting in. 
And then not that there's ever an ideal situation if you're a backup to come in and start, but if getting to start at a field with which you're very familiar would help Westberg. I think nervousness and all of that is something you benefit from because this anxiety is also your safety net. Of course, you want to do well. We're all driven by performance and uh, results and being the best versions of ourselves once more. And being in Toronto, it's probably the stadium I know the most in MLS. So obviously the environment won't be uh, that new or that exceptional to me. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, now I, I know very clearly that I play for Atlanta and that's that's the, the great part in all of it. You know, it's sometimes there's nice stories also and it's taking it the right way and enjoying it, knowing that, okay, we'll play away, but it will be the most, uh, the stadium that I know the most for mm-hmm. an away team. And if, you know, discussions he's had with Brad, what have they talked about in relation to what's about to happen? We, we, we were always very close from the get-go. You know, we were from a pretty much uh, same generation. We, we have uh, similar backgrounds in terms of, you know, playing abroad and sharing experience and a lot of friends in common. So it's just sharing like, like we have uh, like we have so far. You know, we've had a, a, an extremely good relationship and when it's not more, not less, you know, I feel uh, extremely sorry for, um, for what happened to him because, you know, when you get that far that far in a career we know how challenging it is already and adding injuries to that it, it, it's really something you, you wish for no one especially the way he carries and uh, goes about himself and you know how professional he is so yeah it was just you know empathy sympathy and just uh, yeah brotherhood something that I think is going to benefit Westberg is you've got Miles Robinson Juan Hoparata and Brooks Lennon who've played who've started all seven games and I'd have to go and look this up. This off the top of my head. I think have played almost every minute this season. If having that stability and that chemistry in front of him with those defenders is going to help him do his job. You, you put on a good point. Chemistry is very important. It's uh, whether it's in training and obviously you develop it in game where it's uh, a little bit more um, challenging, obviously. But this is what preseason was, uh, was here for. And this is also part of the job when um, at first you work, but you don't really get the reward of playing. You need to understand that you need to sync and you need to, to connect with the guys in front of you, whether it's in training, whether it's in the locker room, it's all over the, all over the place. So that connection on the field for sure is very important and you develop it by playing 90 minutes in official games and in, in, in more difficult or challenging uh, situations, but it doesn't mean you can't connect elsewhere and, and, and in different ways also. And of course, a big part of Gonzalo Pineda's system is the goalkeeper playing with his feet because the center backs will play back to him sometimes. So I wanted to know from Westberg how he would describe his level of skill with passing. I, I obviously love that modern part okay. of the goalkeeper. I, I, really, I really like it, and I think it's one of the reasons I'm here uh, also because in the past, uh, especially my first two years in Toronto, we were playing out of the back a lot. Mm-hmm. They were uh, using me a lot, and earlier in my career... Uh, I was part of a team that played a lot and I was, despite my age, very comfortable and this is how it was brought up. And 20 years ago, it wasn't that common and that needed. Mm -hmm. But let's say as I advanced in age, I happened to like the newer style of using the keeper more. And that's one of the first things that I asked when when I came to visit here. It was like, you guys intend on playing the same way as you did all the time I played against you guys? And that was, yes. So that's what I'm looking for. Pineda was up next, and Franco Ibarra received a red card 
I guess NYCFC for a uh, it was a unfortunate incident with James Sands. There was no intent, I think, by either player to go in as hard as they ended up going in. It was just a, a weird play, but Abara's foot was raised and it caught Sands' upswinging leg. And in the FIFA rules, it's an automatic red. So he's not going to get to play. He started each of the first seven games. So here's Pineda talking about the options they have to replace him. We'll see. We'll see. We have a few options. I mean, Amar has played there. Uh, Rosetto feels with more rhythm now. So we have to make that decision tomorrow. And, and yeah, we'll see. I have good options. Jani uh, is also another one that is has been doing very well in the training sessions uh, and has a lot of uh, stamina and you know power in that part of the field. It's going to be a very experienced midfield uh, for them. Mark Anthony K, Osorio, uh, and uh, Bradley. Obviously, the stamina of Cervania, like his physicality. So, so yeah, we will see what what midfield uh, pair or third we we come up and, and we'll see. And then also for the first time this season, you have a ninety minutes fit Andrew Gutman. Derek Etienne Jr. and Caleb Wiley. Now, there's only two positions on the left for the three of them. They've each played well this season. I was curious to hear from Pineda on how he kind of figures out who is going to go. Well, the two that give us the best possibilities to win will start, and then it's part of the game plan, maybe having a game changer for the second half and something, some adjustments in that. I think we're very strong on that side. The, the three names that you said can be starters in any team. Now we have the luxury of having them at the same time, and uh, it's just for me it's good news that, that I have that availability of uh, players on the left side. And here's Pineda talking about Westberg and how he's going to help the team. Well, number one, he, 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 he knows that field. That's number one, so he's used to play there. And, uh, well, he, he has some experience, well, a lot of experience, uh, where he's here in Europe. And uh, he's, he's a solid re- replacement for, for Brad. Like, uh, you, you can see the leadership that Brad brings and all that, but he has some composure in his game that I think is going to help the team to solve some problems. And, and we're confident on him. Now, another bit of news this week was Caleb Wiley has been called up for the first time to, to the U.S. men's national team for its upcoming friendly against Mexico in Glendale, Arizona. So with those three players I mentioned earlier, Wiley, Etienne, and Gutman, competing for two positions, I was curious to hear from Pineda if knowing that Wiley was going to go off to the U.S. men's camp and might possibly play a midweek game, if that would affect his decision how to use Wiley on Saturday against Toronto, also keeping in mind that the team plays next Sunday at home. Not at all. If something is, uh, is for me, uh, great news for the club, for Caleb's family, for Caleb, uh, for the academies, I think uh, looking back at all the path of Caleb through all those uh, you know, years in the academy, and now those kids are now 12, 14 in the academies, and they see... Uh, final product, a, a guy that is starting every game with Atlanta and a guy that is now with the national team at 18 years old, I think is motivation for all of them and for all the coaches that are doing a great job in the academies for, uh, you know, everyone working uh, alongside in that path for, for Caleb to be here. It's just it's just great news for everyone here in this club, in this building. Uh, but obviously very happy for Caleb because he's the one that has been grinding, he's been fighting, he's been competing, he's been having good days, bad days on training, bad days in the games, uh, and, and, and he overcome any adversity. So uh, very, very happy for him and, and, and this 
first of many call-ups with the national team. I was also curious, uh, Pineda's thoughts on how Luis Arahujo has played the last couple of weeks. He hasn't really been able to impact the game, I think, as much as most people expected. He he got off to a decent start to the season, and Pineda brought up a couple of really good points about some misfortune for Arahujo. Good. I think uh, he's doing a lot of effort, and, and he's playing better uh, every week. I think in certain situations, he's been a little bit unlucky because he's been doing very good things, very good passes, at times very good decisions, and, and, and the goal didn't come up, right? So the other day, he played a fantastic ball for Derek Etienne. Mm-hmm. It was a slightly in offside, and from there it was the goal of Etienne that was disallowed, but he was doing that. Then he played another very good ball for Yaku, that from there we have the chance with Thiago, and mm-hmm. didn't end up with a goal. So uh, he have had a couple of those passes and actions that can help the team and I think once he starts to get rewarded with some of those I think he will start to produce even more but also on the other side of of the ball I I love what he's doing defensively he's doing a lot of work defending the fullback working together with uh, Brooks to defend that side uh, life or death inside the box all that he's doing all the all those things and also very dangerous in transition uh, who's uh, is is, is more active every time he seems to be more active in that side so I, I I think he's doing the right things and I hope he ramp up that into a more productive right uh, for the team. I think that will come with time. And then the other bit of news that we've had this week is Ozzy Alonso rejoined the first team for part of its training session today. Once they broke off, he uh, went and did some individual exercises, but it was his first time with the team. Uh, Brad Guzan was out there with the players, which is a little bit different. Usually the goalkeepers go off to a corner of the field to work and you could hear Brad saying Ozzy, 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 oi, 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 as, as Alonzo joined the group, and then they formed kind of the human tunnel, and Ozzy ran through that. So here's Pineda talking about getting Ozzy back. He's back. We're very happy. It was a good day for everyone. Um, all the medical department, all the medical staff doing a good job at bringing him back. Now he's back with the team in partial portions mm-hmm. of, of the session, and he will start to progress and ramp up to being uh, full available. Uh, that may take a time, but it's good to have him back with the team for the first time in, in a long time. All right. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When we return, I'm going to answer your questions in the mailbag. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. And I want to remind you, as always, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. And just, you know, to fill you in, we were at the Masters all week last week, a group of very talented sports writers who did a fantastic job there. Um, there are Braves coverage. Nobody beats our Braves coverage, our Falcons coverage, our Hawks coverage. The Hawks are still in the playoffs. Lauren Williams is documenting that. Chip Towers with Georgia, Ken Segura at Georgia Tech. We've got you covered for just 99 cents for three months. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good deal. Now, 
Onto the mailback, I want to remind you that the call-in number is 770-810-5297. So while Daniel is serving his Interpol sentence in Madagascar, he could still take your phone calls. I don't know how he worked that out, but he did. Uh, just don't ask for any crocheted t-shirts or coffee bags anymore because illegal yarn is a thing. And Daniel was punished. On to Nick, who wants to ask where I think the team will finish in the final standings after seeing, seeing seven games with five of them being played well. Thank you for your awesome coverage. Well, thanks, Nick. You know, it's whew, it's a fun season so far. It's a very, very different season so far that we've had from Atlanta United. This is this good start is something that we don't see too often, or we haven't seen too often the past couple of years. Right now, Atlanta United is in third place with 14 points. It trails Cincinnati uh, by three. New England has 16. Columbus has 13, Nashville 11, Chicago 9, NYCFC 9, Orlando 8, Toronto 8. Cincinnati is having a very, very hard time scoring, and there was just a report that it's about to sell one of its standout offensive players to a team in Italy. So Atlanta United should be able to make up some ground on Cincinnati. New England is playing very, very well. Bruce Arena is, of course, a quality coach. Columbus, Wilfred Nancy, fantastic coach. Nashville is offensively challenged right now. So I'm going to say Atlanta United can finish as high as second in the standings, but it's got to stay healthy. And seeing what happens on Saturday with the backup goalkeeper in, with perhaps Santiago Sosa starting a place of Franco Albara, maybe Mateus Huzetu, we'll get a good idea of the depth and if the quality of the depth is actually going to come through this year. Um, last year, they had depth, but even the depth suffered injuries. So it was a difficult situation. But that was a good question, Nick. Ben says, it was fascinating listening to Sunday's podcast during my run this morning. I don't know what run is. I, I, that's a verb I am not at all familiar with. Realizing that no one had any idea at the time that Goose was seriously injured. Dude played over 90 minutes with a torn meniscus and the team had no clue. How is that possible? Well, it was 73 minutes, I think, actually, he played with a torn meniscus. Um, unless you're counting the stoppage time. They didn't know because they didn't know. I mean, Brad wanted to keep playing. He made all the saves he needed to make. I think probably he had some adrenaline going. And then after the adrenaline going and everything, maybe they, they saw the swelling. And that's when he were able to tell that there was a, a torn MCL. He's supposed to be out, you know, possibly 10 to 12 weeks. I would not at all be surprised to see Guzan back before then because he takes very, very good care of himself. And I'm sure he wants to get back on the field. 38, he doesn't have a lot of games slash seasons left, so we'll see. Bing continues, between that news and Caleb's call to the USMNT, I think a bonus episode of the podcast is in order. I'll need something to listen to on my run Friday. Well, here you go. Here's your bonus episode, although really it's the same episode we do every week, previewing Saturday's game, but I'm going to call it a bonus episode just to make you happy. Ben continues, if you're not feeling a bonus podcast, any suggestions for other podcasts to get me through my run would be welcome. There's a murder podcast called Tenfold More Wicked that I enjoy. It's pretty fun. Uh, I just finished listening to uh, the podcast about uh, Tara Granger, um, who was murdered in South Georgia. That was a really good podcast. That's kind of fun. And of course, some of the other guys that cover at Line United have their own podcast that you can listen to. So, you know, just do some searching. Get on the Googles and do some Googling. Greg says, Pineda has mentioned several times that the team has to get respect from the officials to start getting calls, drawing penalties, etc. 
I understand LeBron James getting a call as opposed to a rookie or perhaps a veteran all-star wide receiver getting the benefit of the doubt on a pass interference call. But isn't Atlanta United somewhat of a blue blood team in MLS? Well, it hasn't been to the playoffs in two of the past three years. So I think that blue blood label uh, may be more wishful than accurate. Greg says, perhaps the officials may not give a Vancouver, a San Jose, or a Charlotte a call, but I would think Atlanta United is fairly respected. Granted, the officials have missed calls this year, but as you say, they tend to equal out. I think what Pineda was actually referring to, it's not the number of calls, because Atlanta United is among the top five in both fouls called and fouls suffered. So there are calls going around. I think he's more concerned about certain instances. For example, the Guzan play that resulted in his torn MCL, he was hit on the side of the knee by a, a little like a studs up play by an NYCFC defender. Now, at the time, I was watching it live and watching a replays on the monitors at Yankee Stadium. I couldn't tell what had happened. I knew that Guzan was injured. As soon as he hit the ground, he was raising his right hand. He was cradling the ball with his left hand, which is always a sign of an injury. The trainers came out, looked at him. It was obvious that something had happened, but I still could not figure out how the injury occurred until uh, Mike Conti found a kind of a lower, closer to the ground camera angle, and you could see it clearly. So I couldn't see it. I don't know if the referee could see it, but those are the moments, some of the moments that Pineda is talking about because a similar thing happened the previous week in the Red Bulls game in which Guzan got taken out with a tackle. Now, people say or think goalkeepers should be protected. I I agree with that to a degree. I mean, I don't think they should. people should be able to fly into them. Uh, but, you know, goalkeepers should have to deal with some contact, but not the kind of contact that Guzan has had to deal with the past two weeks. The Franco Ibarra red card, it was a red card. It was unfortunate. But there are other things that, that he's talking about. Not using the video monitors to review some offside calls. There's been two that have gone against Atlanta United this season. One against Yakamakis. I still think he was onside. The one against Etienne against NYCFC, he was offside. I mean, I'm 99% certain he was offside. But for the officials not even to use the video replay system when it's there, that those are the things that are kind of aggravating Pineda a little bit. Greg says, can you explain yellow card accumulation and when they are wiped clean? So it works like this. If a player accrues five yellow cards, they're fined and they're suspended from the next regular season match. After that, if they get three additional cards, it's another suspension. After that, it's another three cards, another suspension, and then two cards, another suspension, etc. Now, if you go uh, five consecutive matches without receiving a yellow card or a red card or supplemental discipline, one of those yellow cards comes off. So right now, you don't really need to worry about Atlanta United. I think it's Franco Albarra. If he gets two more, uh, is suspended for a match. And, and Pineda, if he gets two more, is suspended for a match. So you don't really need to worry about that right now. Uh, Greg continues, maybe I should start a where are they now? How are they doing for former Atlanta United players who are a little more obscure? Well, I thought Emerson Hyman, he is still not signed with the team. Uh, Atlanta United and Hyman kind of reached a mutual agreement on his contract in the offseason. I know he worked out with LAFC, but as of right now, he is not signed with a team. Rob says, question, when does Halloween fall on Easter weekend? A, when Atlanta United plays on the warped Twilight Zone pitch of Yankee Stadium. Um, he said he was happy to see the five stripes in their primary kits on the road, but dismayed that Pineda ditched his black Darth Vader cape over a nappy tan one. Yeah, so that's two consecutive weeks Pineda has worn a trench coat 
one black, one tan. I'm curious what he breaks out at Toronto because it's going to be cold. Anyway, he continues United's press was somewhat more effective. He liked their determination. NYCFC's press seemed to force zombie lapses and inexplicable giveaways. It's a very eloquent but long email, and I just don't have time to read all of it. Daniel's got to get out to the yard to work out here at 2 o'clock. He says, tell us, kind sir, how can the 17s collect monies to help Pineda defray what will surely be a substantial MLS fine for calling out the professional referee organization and their uniformed abominations? Still cautiously hopeful and grateful for your reporting. Well, thank you. As of Thursday morning, Pineda had not been fined by MLS, but we will perhaps receive notice of that this afternoon. I think it's this afternoon. It may be Friday when the disciplinary committee report comes out. Steve says, it might be an interesting subject as to how the live TV ratings and revenue from Apple companies compares with a former arrangement with Bally. We're not ever going to get that. Well, we are not going to get that unless Apple decides to mention it, it's not going to come out. He says he misses seeing the games on TV as he will not pay extra for Apple. Well, then I can't help you, buddy. It's your choice how you spend your money. And you obviously have a right to do whatever you want to. But the games are on Apple. That's just how it is. Tom says, a few listeners mentioned in the last show that they were seeking validation from supporters who are currently quiet about Boca Negra. He says, this is wild for a few reasons. For one, Boca Negra's contract runs through 2026. Good point. What kind of extension exactly do they think is justified? For two, this completely bypasses how this offseason we had to loan out players and absorb dead cap losses. We had to buy out large contracts two years in a row. Dead cap and multiple years of contract buyouts are unheard of in MLS. I don't know about that. If these are not enough indicators of mismanagement to warrant criticism of the club's leadership, what would be? Lastly, just because said criticism, warranted or not, in whoever's opinion, has quieted to enjoy the first run of good play that Atlanta has had in over three years, it doesn't mean it wasn't or isn't valid. We as a fan base do not need to high-five club executives and then give them attaboys whenever someone scores a goal. That's, I mean, I think that's fair. That's fair. I would just, you know, let's see what happens this season. Mike says your observations on Westberg and Jop. Well, Quentin Westberg is going to start on Saturday. I mean, I think 99% of the population assumed he was going to start. Those of us who are at the training ground every Tuesday and Thursday and at the games knew Westberg was going to start because he's always been the backup goalkeeper. Jop is accompanied the team on a few uh, road trips, but that's more just to go on the road trips and to get workouts in. You know, Westberg and Guzan have some similarities. They're the same age. They have kind of similar travels. Both started domestically, went overseas. In Guzan's case, came back domestically. Westberg says he's very good with the ball at his feet. Physically, they're very different. Westberg is not a big dude, not at all like Guzan. Westberg is about as tall as I am, 6'1". Uh, obviously weighs a lot less than I do. Westberg has a head full of hair, big beard. They have the same blue eyes, he and Guzan. So it's, it's going to be curious to see what happens on Saturday. Uh, Westberg is an MLS vet. He, he and Jop were both signed by Atlanta United in the offseason to avoid what happened last year when Guzan went down, Castanero went down, and then they had to go and start finding goalkeepers from wherever, re-signing Rocco Rios Novos, uh, getting Raul Godinho, guys who had no MLS experience and the team didn't make the playoffs. And that's not at all on the goalkeepers. The whole team failed last year, but I think that Atlanta United is going to be okay, particularly if they can keep the, the defenders I mentioned earlier, Robinson, Parata, Lennon, Gutman or Wiley together in front of whomever it is. I think it's going to be fine. Your reaction to a response to your tweet. So 
let's get into this for a second here. A lot of y'all were saying after Saturday's game that Abara didn't deserve a red, and we're trying to say that if well, if Abara deserved a red, the player that tackled Guzan also deserved a red. You can't do retroactive opinion making. Uh, the two things had weren't connected. Now, should should from an issue of fairness and balance, should both players have gotten red cards? Well, yeah, but you can't say, well, if Abara got one, that guy should have gotten one, because the play against Guzan happened before the play against Abara. So you have to separate the two. So anyway, because some of you were saying that Abara didn't deserve a red, in the instant replay segment on MLSsoccer.soccer.soccer.com.soccer.com, they do a review of red cards, and they showed the Abara a challenge of Sands. And again, it was just an unfortunate situation. I took a screenshot of the moment where Abara's foot and Sands' shin collide, put it out on Twitter, just to show people that it was studs up, it did, he did connect with Sans' leg, or Sans' leg connected with him. Either way, it's a red card. I put no context on it. It was just, this is the moment. This is what happened with the red card. Abara retweeted me, saying that um, I was accusing him of intentionally trying to hurt a player, which I had not done. I repeatedly said it was an unfortunate incident, and, and tweeted it was an unfortunate incident. And that, uh, you know, basically I didn't know what I was talking about, and I don't ask good questions or coherent questions or whatever in the press conferences. All that is fine. I can't, I can live with that. And I'm sure that among the thousands of questions I've asked, some of them have been stupid. I would like to think that a couple of them have been good. It's all good. It's just part of the job. Anyway, I've got no issues with the bar. I can't tell people. I wish that professional athletes were more open and honest in press conferences and then complain when they do express something on social media. It's, it is what it is. I've got no problems with Abara. I hope he has no problems with me. I had offered to, to talk to him uh, after Tuesday or Thursday session, but he didn't train other time. So we didn't get a chance to kind of try to clear the air. For those who are curious, when I wrote that blog about Marcelino Moreno last year, in which I said he was a good player who could be much better, um, I gave Moreno a chance to clear the air with me, and, and we kind of did. So anyway. I've got no problem with Franco. I think he's a good player. I think it was an unfortunate incident. And no, I don't think he was intentionally trying to hurt anyone. George says, I don't think I saw it, but will Abara just get a one-game suspension? Yes. Are you going to Nashville? Yes. And then Eric, for the third consecutive podcast, gets the question of the week. I love the Law & Order theme thing. Did Atlanta United sell its soul to win the MLS Cup in 2018? If not, how do you explain the ridiculous misfortune they've experienced beginning with Joseph's missed penalty kick, against Toronto, I think that was saved by Westberg, actually, and the 2019 playoffs and continuing through Brad Guzan's injury on Saturday. Well, I think it's probably, Eric, that you're just not being a nice enough person. If you would be nicer, Atlanta United's karma would be better. That's that's the only explanation I could come up with. And he follows up, if they did sell their soul, who's your source? I'm seeking representation for a novel, and I'm in desperation mode. So if you know someone with ethereal powers, I'd appreciate an introduction or at least an email address. Well, pleased to meet you, Eric. I hope you guess my name. This is Southern Fried Soccer. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones, pray for Daniel. Y'all take care.